couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. Again. Hello again. So our last conversation, we got into things. And one of the things we left off on was ethics. Ooh. So let's do a show on the ethical friend. And the train of thought that leads to that, aside from, yeah, it's what we ended our talk with last time was talking about ethics. Or we brought up ethics just kind of just brought it up a little tiny subject now you studied this i did in college no less which is scary because if you hang out with matt and you tell matt your belief he'll break it down and you'll it's just maddening not necessarily i can be mellow but anyway and then the train of thought went to i was saying do you think it was our friend mark we saw at the store that we've been seeing every week do you think that's actually mark and it isn't it could be, though, because it led to talking about so many of our friends can't recognize each other anymore <laughs> coming out of the pandemic. Everybody looks different. Or even during the pandemic, I heard some friends talking to me about their experiences and they would be talking to someone for like 15 minutes. They both had masks on, not realizing it was someone they knew. But because you couldn't see their entire face and we've all been through stuff that things change in us and we're no longer recognizable the way that we were before something happened. That was a huge consequence. Right. So that led to, remember, we were trying to make friends. We lived in this little town on this island in the Pacific Northwest and we would go to this grocery store and everyone was very Caucasian. And so I was always on the lookout for a brother or sister. And we found somebody and I was so excited. So both Matt and I went up to this person and we were trying to strike up a conversation. So we're like, hi, how are you? I'm Fawn, this is Matt, where are you from? We've never seen you before. Do you live around here? Um, wh- you know, wh- where are you from? Like we, we were asking. Typical puppy stuff, puppy but, jumping up and down. Yeah, we were so excited to meet someone <laughs> that was like one of us had some flavor (laughs) and so we were asking so many questions rapid fire we were so excited yeah we were like puppy dogs like hi hi i love you where are you from (sighs) and he was very standoffish (laughs) but you could tell he really wanted to talk to us too but he was standoffish like i said and it turned out long story short it turned out that he was undercover at the grocery store. He was like a cop. Loss prevention is what they call Loss it. Loss prevention. <laughs> God help me. Why do I know this? I just know this, folks. So it turns out that he was like, look, guys, I'm not really a friend. I'm like, I'm working right now. <laughs> so we're like, cool. If this guy's looking at us, we can't swipe. So, okay. 
No stealing. So he had to give himself away, like say, look, I'm not really a customer. I'm I'm working. I'm looking for thieves. I'm like, oh, it was kind of like, I think I've done this too, like trying to become friends with someone that's, um, what do you call those people on the airplanes? Um, you know, the, the marshal. Ooh, right like nice. you're you're like trying to strike strike up a conversation i remember this one guy now in this particular case i wasn't sure if he was an actual martial or not but th- he was definitely very martial artsy let's say like the his whole vibe mm-hmm. so i'm like oh do you practice like oh what's <laughs> do you do you work out like i was just like i well that and he also had one of our books in his hand do you know what i'm saying and now, come to think of it, I don't think he was actually reading it. He just had a book to look like he was a passenger holding a book. Like, cool. you know, he was just way too cool, especially when the turbulence started happening. He was just like, cool. Like, I was freaking out. I'm like, <gasps> is the what? What's happening with the plane? <laughs> what ha- What happened? <laughs> anyway, trying to become friends with people that are like. Anyway, what does this have to do with ethics? Anyway, there was the train of thought that led to stealing and the grocery store and ethics. And I remember remember when we moved to Port Townsend. Port Townsend is this beautiful little town, pretty much at the tip of the continent in the United States. When we lived there a long time ago, they were very, the people there were so special in that they were so quirky and creative and free thinking and they, they were delightful. At a drop of a dime, there was a parade that would happen for anything. They had amazing festivals, amazing community, like really nice, friendly. However, they were also very quirky in ways that were like, that made us go, what? What? Like they were very paranoid about like society changing all of a sudden so they were ready for anything they were ready to take a boat to another country last second they had things like supplies under their stairs like they i don't know they were like what do you call those people like prepared for anything should anything go down they were on it and it scared us a little bit (laughs) that they would even think like doomsday like that or think like stuff could go down and this is what we're going to do. Well, yeah, but understand that they were living in an environment where when the submarines came to Seattle, they had to drop off their nuclear weapons and there was a very clear understanding of that. And so it tends to change things a little bit. And also there's a big wooden boat community there and people who say live aboard boats or go sailing a lot, they tend to have a different worldview than landlubbers. That is true. And one of the things we would discuss was if you had to, would you steal and then here comes Mr. Ethics, the study of ethics, Matt, because I would say no. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you would. So this brings us to ethics. We hold on to so much. Like last time we were talking about holding on to the material and it could be material could be ideas. Material could be a belief system that you're so set on d- demanding or feeling entitled to things that you feel like you should own. I think that's one of the problems with the lack of friendships that we have in our society is that kind of mentality of I'm right, you're wrong. I'm holding on to this belief no matter what. 
I'm holding on to this idea, this land, this property, this material object, no matter what. This is me, my identity. Like, it's very low level. And I think that's what causes a lot of problems, that way of attachment. And then we were talking about the Buddhists and non-attachment. And you went way to the other side of it. And I'm like, well, can we just have baby steps and not bring Hitler into the situation? <laughs> Sorry, folks. Or the KKK. Can we just find ways? You brought KKK in. I didn't say you. I just said, can we n have a conversation <laughs> and try to have baby steps to improve our relationships without bringing up the extremes from point A? Do you know what I'm saying? Let's start yes. with baby steps and easily transform into a better situation and then we can learn how to deal with the hitlers and the kkks uh, am i wrong you are completely correct it's it, we're, not, we're you're talking about how to i'm talking about the what right and which is why having an ethical kind of conversation with you or a conversation that leads to ethics and my favorite game, folks, Ethical Dilemma. Ethical Dilemma. So in Poor Townsend, the idea, they were like very doomsday, like ready. And so the idea came up of like stealing. Would you steal? Would you do this thing that you think you'd never do? But you can't be attached to anything because, for example, we're vegan. But if we were starving, if our children were starving, yeah, we would kill the cow. We would. If it's life or death, I think when we have our own ethical morals, you know, when we're in a rich kind of society, we're able to make these different choices and live a certain way and go, this is my belief. This is what I'm choosing to live. So we're choosing to live as vegans. We don't touch anything that harms an animal. We only touch things that harm plants. <laughs> You know, you're still harming plants. Plants right. have feelings it, it, too. Exactly. You know, and to, and to take it to a less extreme state, I mean, if we were in a position, which, you know, we're not, where we were accepting government subsidies and they gave us cheese, we would eat the cheese. Right. So, I mean, when you come down to it, you're going to do what, whatever you have to do. Well, it's a luxury. It's the, it's the pyramid of... I think we're in a state of such great luxury in our society that we can live that. But I think what's happening is that things, our systems, so many different systems are breaking down. And I think why there's so much strife and turmoil is because everything is being knocked around. And we all have to do things that we never thought we would do. So people are upset and triggered and fighting and Nothing seems set anymore the way that we believed they were set. Nothing is ever set, right? Life is always right. ever flowing, ever changing. Anyway, so let me get back to ethical. The word ethics is derived from the Greek word ethos, which means character, and from the Latin word mores, which means customs. Together, they combine to define how individuals choose to interact with one another. Isn't that interesting? Going back to friendship. Mm -hmm. So the ethical friend. I'll say it again. Ethics is derived from the Greek word ethos, which means character, and from the Latin word mores, which means customs. Together, 
They combine to define how individuals choose to interact with one another. So going back to ethics, Matt, you, can you refresh us on what we were saying and how what we were saying led to ethics? To me, it's, again, back to the core of the onion and at the center of the onion are your deepest held beliefs. And ethics help guide and dictate what your deepest beliefs really are. There's a variety of different schools of ethics. There's hedonism and utilitarianism and one I can't talk about right now, which is stoicism and a whole bunch of others, which is really fascinating because I... Wait, why can't you talk about it? Because I don't remember what it is. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, um, hedonism is I'm for pleasure. Let the world burn. I'm for my own pleasure. And utilitarian is greatest good, greatest number. These are very easy, easy to define. These are absolutes. It's simple. It's where you get into relativism that it turns out when you actually start delving into it, relativism doesn't really exist, which is a fun little proof to go through. And then I argued in a paper that it did, and I got an A on the paper, so God knows. But anyways, I digress. The center of the onion really kind of centers around one of these deep-held ethical beliefs. So most people actually adhere to the greatest good, greatest number, which Star Trek gave us the good of the many versus the good of the few. This is why Spock sacrificed himself to save the ship. You know, you're willing to make sacrifices in order to bring good for the greatest number. But that's a tricky, sticky business. And it's happening. Speaking of business, it's happening on so many levels because, for example, self-driving cars years ago, just when the thought was coming out, you were pointing out that, yeah, it's coders, computer programmers who are making all this happen and they have to make ethical decisions. So the car has to look at, and it depends on what culture you're from, but the car will look at a baby and an old person and you have to code which one you're going to kill. Well, and, and that's, that's the impossible choice because that's an impossible choice. But, you know, um, Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson said it, you know, your car at some point will be programmed to kill you. What? Well, if it's me hitting a brick wall or me crashing into a school bus, it's probably going to pick to ram me into the the concrete wall. Hmm. So your car will be programmed to kill you. I hate ethical conversations. Exactly. Let's make this a short episode. You, I know Can you, you bring hate it out. Them. Can we bring it to a happy place once we get into the nitty gritty, <laughs> please? You're going to have to do it, not me, because I don't know. Apparently, I'm not ethical. <laughs> I don't know. I hate you. No, I don't know. I don't know. So explain how <sighs> it just seems very doomsday, Matt, because whenever we talk about if you talk about ethics, you just make human beings seem terrible. but that's just it where the uh, ethics only become interesting on some level where like it is life or death it's easier to get a clear view of how theoretically you would act you should act and you know what people act immorally all the time you know i specifically choose to you know crash through the busload of nuns for instance so as not to die myself or whatever people make interesting uncomfortable immoral choices all the time and the irony is is then our brain is so hardwired that we have to figure out our brain has to figure out how that's the moral decision listen i don't know if this relates but as you were saying that it made me think of this i was i have been listening to different conversations lately 
And, you know, when you think of something, you tend to attract what you're thinking about. Ever since the pandemic started, mm -hmm. and I've been on so many Zoom calls, and I've been on so many webinars, mm -hmm. and the kind of webinars that I'm on have to do with business, but it's business combined with moral viewpoint of how you want society to, to be based on what you offer in business. Mm -hmm. So it's it's more like it's combined with spirituality and like the common, you know, the good of the people, the good of the planet, all of that, right? And really exploring our compassion and our connections, thinking a way that's different from how the patriarchy normally works is is how I'm seeing it. Right. What I noticed from the very beginning is every webinar that I was on, it was 99% women. From business to creative writing situations to even like to so many different areas of, of work and life. Mm -hmm. I've been on webinars where there have been thousands of people on at the same time, 90% women. And I was thinking to myself, what is happening? Where are the men and are the men not here because of the type of conversation that we're having or the type of business that we're trying to create, right? That the man is not here for it. And I, and I heard this conversation actually yesterday about this very thing, like, wh what is it? How come the men aren't there? And it was actually Carolyn Mace who was saying, the men are not here because the women are attracted to the hunter, the hunter gatherer, the, the one who will fight the, the bad guy, not necessarily bad guy. She didn't use the word bad guy. I, I don't think, but she used like the word, like, um, you know, the man we're expecting the man. If you look at it, like archetypal way in an archetypal way if you look at things in an archetypical way mm -hmm. that we expect the man to go hunt and gather well we expect the man to go hunt right we gather the women gather if you look at gather caveman, and nurture right so we unless that changes unless we stop thinking of the man like that you know as the provider, go get it, make it happen, which still exists, that they will never be a part of this conversation where it's about nurturing. Because until we stop that mentality, that that nurturing quality will not exist unless we change it. If we do change that mentality, that ethical, it, it does come back to ethics, right? society will be violent the way it is because we're not we're not letting that nurturing compassionate soft man be the one that we're attracted to as stereotypical women does that make sense to you man oh no that yeah that totally makes sense you're 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 absolutely right i well, mean i mean it's not me it was she was saying from that. from you know from from cradle you know, there's, there have been studies, boys and girls are treated differently. And, you know, if it's a boy, it's a slugger and all the rest of it. And, and you can point back and say, oh, yeah, that's a 50s, you know, moray that doesn't exist anymore to throw moray around. But it still does. 
and, mm. and you know, oh, well, you know, math is hard, little girl. You know, you, you keep hearing about these stereotypes and you keep hearing about these singular cases that break them, but you don't hear about it being a major shift or a major change. It's all about, well, yeah, he's at home raising the kids while she's off earning the bacon. It's almost like split, it's either or. It becomes noteworthy because of that case. Mm. And that's, that's a hard thing. It's, it's more acceptable for that to happen, but it's still not really that acceptable. And it is changing. It I mean, is. remember when we became parents, we were tripping on the fact that, like, first of all, you and I were fighting over who gets to carry the baby. And we were like, isn't that interesting? Because our parents would never have this conversation. The man would never carry the baby in a sling and go shopping. Right. Right. So things are changing, hopefully. But I feel like there's, like you say, there's always a pendulum. And I think it's like swinging back to the man, the man, the tough guy, you know, getting things done a certain way. I think it's going back to that all of a sudden. Like it, it's, it's like society sense that there may be a softening happening. We saw boys putting on nail polish and like wearing dresses. And I think it's scared society and it's like going way back to the extreme patriarchal way of having men be this way well, when and having women not have any rights and not having a say in anything and basically being shut down. But it also goes back to what I noticed at the playground. Remember when the kids were babies, I always noticed that it was always the little boys. And I still noticed it actually like last month when when we were on an airplane. I watched how baby boys or toddler boys acted and were treated as opposed to little girls. The toddlers, the boys, demanded attention nonstop. Well, that one did. It was insane. And what the mother put up with. But the girls, no. And I'm talking about toddlers. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed when our kids were toddlers and babies was at the playground, I would notice little, little, little boys slapping their mothers. And the mothers, and these were Caucasian mothers, by the way, the mothers wouldn't correct the little boy. Ever. So I got to see lots of little boys learning it's okay to hit women and mistreat women and disrespect them. Their moms and their moms wouldn't do anything to correct that behavior. So yeah, I don't know how this goes into ethics. I'm sorry, I totally went off on a tangent. Well, we're we're we're, we're now getting tied up into gender roles, and again, it's it's you know kind of a core onion thing again because everybody wants to believe that the way they're acting is moral and right. And so a concentration camp guard, because of course we've got to bring in the Nazis because it's just, it, it's more easily, easily understood that way. There's less gray. But a concentration guard, a concentration camp guard has to figure out how to make this moral, has to figure out how to make this right how, in, in their own head, even if it's so uproariously wrong. And, and that's how we're wired. And one way you can make it, oh, 
I guess okay, and, and we're getting into real dangerous ground here, is I'm feeding my family, and my family's more important than anything else, so shine everyone else, which takes us into ethics, because now all of a sudden, my small circle is more important than society at large. And you see, that's where friendship comes in, and that's why I think what we're trying to do here is really big and important. As fluffy as it sounds, we got to learn the art of friendship again, because if you have friends, you're not in it by yourself. You don't have to fight for your family's survival. You're going to help each other. You you will always have a place to live because we can make that happen together. You're never going to be alone. We are here together. But I think once we lose that art of friendship, then we make very questionable decisions. And I honestly think that we find friendship wherever we can. And if the only people who will accept me are so far beyond, you know, they're all right, they're all left, but they accept me, then I, it's almost like I feel I have a moral obligation to support their worldview. Isn't that extreme, though? Well, this is the radicalization of folks, you know, because we, we, get, we, get, we get back to martyrdom because they, they have either real or imagined persecution, and then that brings them closer together. But that's not true friendship. That's friendship out of desperation. And you know what? Sometimes early man, again, we're dealing with the wiring, right? Right. So if we are being hunted because there's saber-toothed tigers or because there's another tribe that wants our land or whatever it is, we band together and so, we form emotional attachments to these people because they're keeping me alive. Yeah, but... And it's hard to let that go. It is hard to let that go, but once we create a sense of well-being and safety, then you can choose. Like, you can choose to be vegan now because there's plenty of food. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is we need to establish a sense of calm and nurturing and safety so and, that and you how, can... how can we do this when we've got you know live coverage of you know january 6th stuff where we have um you know fox news reporting a completely different story on the whole thing mm -hmm. where trump had offered to send ten thousand troops to the capitol the day before he was due to give a speech you know, it's like we're not all dealing with the same deck of facts here. Yeah, and it's not just that either. Everything, the climate, it's everything. Everything is on fire. Right. Everything is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So we don't have that comfort. Right, and the word pandemic is so, certainly I mean, the omnipresent. Only, yeah, yeah, and, and we think this pandemic is becoming more controllable, and now there's another one. Maybe, maybe right. not. We just... So, okay, this just leads me back. Let's just close the show off on getting to a point of comfort is the key. And I remember, and I've said this before, and I'll remind you again, but the best piece of advice I heard actually came from Martha Stewart right after 9-11. And everybody was asking, what are we going to do? How are we going to ever feel safe or calm in the midst of all the bad things that are happening? And she said, go find a flower or something that is beautiful to be right in front of you. Wherever you are, no matter wherever you are, no matter what, make it as beautiful as you can and just be there. So bringing it back down. I remember I was going through something terrible. I had a stalker after me and I had to go on a photo shoot the next day. 
I hadn't slept. I had to deal with the sheriff and all this the night before. It was it was a very scary situation. And the guy was out on like at large in this tiny little town. And so everybody was finding out like what was happening and I had to go to work. I was on a photo shoot in the small town. One of the executives that I was working with, she was helping me with a photo shoot. She was smiling at me and she was like, these were her exact words. And she was not like religious like that, but she was like this. She was like, child of God, are you happy? And she was smiling at me. I'm like, are you insane? (laughs) What? (laughs) What the heck are you talking about? Am I happy? And why are you smiling at me like that? Like everything's okay. And she kept repeating that question. And I'm like, okay, Carol, you've officially are insane to me right now. I, can we just forget it? Just let's do, do the shoot. And she said, no, no, no. I want you to stop right here and look around in this precise second. Are you not happy right now? Are you? I'm like, no, I'm not happy. And she's like, look at you. You look beautiful. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> she's like, are you not in this beautiful room that we're about to photograph? I'm like, yeah. She's like, is, don't you smell this in the air? I'm like, yeah. It was like muffins and also nature. It was like lovely. (laughs) Basically, she made me stand in that precise, she broke it down to exactly where we were. Mm -hmm. And nothing else mattered. Nothing else actually existed Mm -hmm. other than this precise breath that you're taking right now. Are you able to breathe? You're breathing right now. You're, you're taking in a breath right now. You are totally safe right now. You're surrounded by safety right now. Like she just pointed out everything and brought me down right. to the exact moment, mm-hmm. present time. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I see your point. So I think maybe that's what we can start off with as a baby step in the midst of all this crazy stuff. And there you go. And there's there's a... There's a and saying. We move with that. There's a saying. You know, Lord, grant me the courage to change the things that I can. The ability to understand the things that I can't change and the wisdom to know the difference. So we don't focus on the things we can't change. I guess for me I would say finding ways to be grateful for every breath that you have and for where you are as long as i mean i'm, I'm sorry my brain is going to like war and like things being blown up it's my second. fault folks <sighs> okay so those are the baby steps and what does that have to do with ethics again i think that that gives us the opportunity to feel a sense of calm so that we can make better decisions that we're not making the ethical decisions that may not be so moral that could also benefit us and others at the same time and it allows us to reach out to people who don't necessarily share 100 percent of our worldview so it opens us up and it opens them up too and in, in you know in hindsight and we're not so desperate so we seek out friends just because we are feeling that they can protect us or that we're fighting against a common thing the term key term being fighting right right the key term should be joy and celebrating and being grateful that's our thought for today what do you think let us know if you want to come on the show and talk to us and 
be on the show with us and explore some of these ideas, go to www.ourfriendlyworldpodcast.com. Yay, I got it right this time, guys. Go to contact and send us an email. And also pick up the free workbook that's there, The Ikigai of Friendship. All right, loves. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you in just a few days. Be well. Let us know what you think. What do you think? 